0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang, and you're listening to the TL podcast, where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Hi, good day, uh, Kim, good day, Chris. How are you going, boys?
1: Very well. Round two, take two. <laughs> I'm <laughs> very, sor- very, very sorry. Very very sorry.
0: We late, Houston. We had a and, problem, and, and quite pissed because um, we had uh, Robert Spitaleri from Weisbury um, Bankstown. Bankstown. Yeah, he he was late uh, a few times, and he got punished today. So uh, six hundred and five dollars later, here we are. We uh, that's why we are were a bit late, man. It was a good I'm feed
1: sorry. too.
2: Thanks for the invite.
0: And and you know what? We we can't wait for him to be late again at one of our meetings. <laughs> yeah, we can hardly wait. Yeah. I mean, we love that. Do you know, there are people who are upset because someone's late. I'm never upset. <laughs> I'm celebrating with them. Because the more you celebrate, the less they will be late. <laughs> got,
1: a, a, we can put that on the wall. I've got my uh, saboteurs behind the scenes, going to let down his tyres and uh, turn his alarm clock off and so forth, so... Try and help him be late. Just just make
0: sure, brother, that you don't ever fuck up. Mate, I'm cool. If I fuck up, I'll cop it on the chin. No, but listen, the first time he was late, this is what happens quite often. Uh, Suddenly, Chris, uh, you don't mind me saying it. No, absolutely. I'm not going to say it's you. That's fine. But But it was me. Really? He was late once and you had to. He had to buy me lunch. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And then he just went soft. Yeah. And I said to Chris, that's not how you do it because you're not really teaching people. So I said to him, mate, when he goes late again next time, don't worry, I'll look after it. <laughs> and so I did look after it. It went from $75 to 605 And we have already prepared him for the next one. <laughs> China and Doll. The next one is China Doll. It's going to be roughly $3,000 for being late. And Cam, you right. have an
1: invite. Okay, you have an That's invite. That's good. You have, an invite, you have an invite, mate. My China doll was nine hundred. Unlike your Christmas parties that I don't, you will have an invite. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, uh, you're not making what? me want to invite you, by the way. <laughs> so you're not getting any closer. I'm glad you're soft though, because there might be we need to renegotiate the terms of
1: our bet. Oh mate. no, there'll <laughs> be no, no renegotiating no, but, the bet. But,
0: but we're talking about these things here because it's important. Like, what if you were late at a listing appointment? I mean, if I was a seller. And you're late. You've lost already, man. It doesn't matter what you say to me because I'm very pedantic about this because I'm saying if your appointment was at 6.30 at night and you're turning up at 6.31, what else are you going to tell me that I can't believe? What else are you going to tell me that's going to be wrong or a lie? And straight away, it's off. So being late is the first key or the first opportunity an agent has to tell a seller Whatever I tell you, I'm going to deliver. So let's have a look at this. What are the thoughts really that sellers go through? I know that we've done a session where we spoke about what sellers go through when yeah. picking an agent, but what is it? They, let's imagine now they have signed the agreement. What are they going through?
1: First thing would be, oh, shit.
2: Yeah. Well, I reckon there'd be plenty
1: of uh, oh, shit moments. Well, it's a big move. Look, I think as agents, sometimes we neglect the fact that it's the biggest move people make in their life shifting the family from one home to another. It's, it is one of the biggest financial commitments, whichever way you look at it. I think as agents, because we do it so often, we overlook that fact that a lot of people have that, absolutely what you said, Cam. Oh shit, we now got to sell and buy and we've got to uproot the family and find somewhere else to to settle down. So it is an I oh, don't think moment.
2: that's the oh shit moment. I think it, when it comes to signing on with an agent, like it, it's a big decision. If they've taken it as seriously as they should, you, you would hope that they're, extremely comfortable once they've signed on the dotted line but I can only imagine as soon as we've walked out the door they, they question themselves and they want to they're wondering whether they've done the right thing and they, sure. for them they're not going to know that they've done the right thing until maybe the next point of contact or until uh, the selling phase starts or until the selling phase is finished yeah. it's a um, you know I, I try and educate my vendors while we're trying to win the listing about the importance of having the right person representing you and yeah. um, so it is a massive decision. There's cooling off periods in agency agreements for a reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that the owners, their, their thoughts will be very individual depending on their personality type? Uh, so do you think... so? You know, personality you know, type art. and
2: experience level, mate, if you've never yeah. sold a house before, yep. it doesn't matter what type of personality you are, if you've never sold a house before, it's going to be unknown. If you've sold 10 houses... Yep. And you've dealt Experience, with yeah. ten different agents. Um, you know what's coming. The same agent. You have got a rough idea what to look out for. So it would
1: be the fear of a bit of a fear of the unknown for those who haven't done it before, 100%. and it'd be then the agent's sort of responsibility to sort of have that higher level of communication to really walk those owners through that process moving forward.
2: Yeah. Well, the the the, the level of thought that goes into have I done the right thing is yeah. completely up to the agent or agency that, that is then supposed to be servicing the client. Because if yeah. you are in constant contact and doing all the things that you should be doing, yeah. that oh ship moment shouldn't last longer than 24 hours because right. the process should start the next yeah. day.
1: But how many, how many times have we heard from our owners that say, you know, we signed with the agent and then we never heard from them really until we sort of started getting offers or so forth. And it happens frequently yeah. where a lot of agents do that chase, chase, chase to get the listing and then really don't put that effort into then build that trust and communication with their owners moving forward.
0: We're going too far, boys. Uh, what about your wine? Let, oh, let, let, let's taste okay. your wine. Uh, <laughs> mate, cheers, Salute. Salute. salud. All right, so, let's talk about this, this uh, beautiful Grant Birch. I just want to apologize. Feel cell, Arrosa Old <laughs> Vine Shiraz. Chris's wine. He's
2: supposed to talk about it. <laughs> I'm
0: asking. I'm, I'm what are asking, you apologizing
2: for? I'm Pat? apologizing for you two. I've been at lunch for however many hours. Two and a half hours. I will try and keep him under control and keep us on track, <laughs> but I'm not making any promises. <laughs> all right. And man, you know we, when we're been, in a world we've been, of shit. We've been working. If we're We
1: really. have. <laughs> we've been working, uh, re- making Rob realise not to be late. But that's, that's all good. That I mean, yeah, we're going to get off track again. No. Talk about <laughs> your wine, quick. Talk, talk about, about your wine. Talk for yourself,
0: man. I've been trying to teach him to be late again. You want him to
1: be late because the next one is China Doll. All right, so this is a Grant Burge, uh, Barossa Valley again, uh, for those of you who don't know, north of Adelaide. Um, this is called the Philsell. The vineyard the grape vine it comes from, is just on about a hundred years old. This is the younger brother of their premium wine, which name eludes me at the moment. Um, but it's a 2018, so it's a little bit young. It's aged for about 18 months in a mixture of new and old oak, and it's a it's a pretty good drop. And it's under it's under fifty dollars, so so like a forty-two dollar bottle of wine or something like that. There you go. Nice well bottle, nice drop. Well done, buddy. Nice drop. Good drop. Congratulations. A little bit young? bit young.
2: Tastes like something we'd taste to do.
1: <laughs> have we had it before? <laughs> nah, like no. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> 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 yeah, we had it 10 minutes ago before the technical issues came in. But yeah, yeah. But we haven't had this one on before, right? Because now I'm down in the bottle so. shop no. and I'm looking going, have we had that? Have we had that?
2: No, I think you're good, mate. All right. Yeah, it's done well. a bit young. Done well. It's all right. It's a bit young.
0: Actually, the uh, I have to say the nose is pretty pretty good.
1: Uh, it's a, quite a strong flavour to it I think if you taste it you can get a lot of strong uh, black currant and chocolate a bit of coffee flavours in there as oh, well calm down you like that I read that on the uh, <laughs> fuck I read that on the internet I read that on the tasting notes from the website so, uh, but, but
0: we spoke about
1: <laughs> I'm not as dumb as you look mate oh mate <laughs> tell me see you can taste the chocolate in it the mm. coffee mm. see see.
2: I can smell the bullshit that's what I can smell <laughs> I can smell the <laughs> bullshit from a mile away. You oh, <laughs> oh, boys, are dear. mad. Honestly,
0: oh, like if I do win, I don't know whether we invite you, mate. Why? It's because you can't talk like that, mate. When we're enjoying our wine and and our lunch, you can't just open
2: and honest communication, mate. It's the key to any. It's the key to any good relationship, especially with
0: your vendors.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear, All right, so let's
0: one. have a look, boys. So what else, what else would uh, sellers go through? I mean, first question is, I'm sure sellers go to bed thinking, did we get the right one? Mm. Did we pick the right agent, mm. right? Is that a normal question to ask?
1: I think it's, whether it's buying a car or picking an agent, I think everyone has those what is a buyer's remorse or seller's remorse, and they yeah. just have that second guessing. Yeah, um, they and they need to have that that time to digest and and really cement their decision.
0: Uh, we, we, which I'm going to ask you some um, maybe a bit more clarification here. It's like when you get married, right? Just before <laughs> that, do you ask yourself, "Did, did I pick the right one?" Or? I'm sure Rita did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen Cameron that silent in a long time. So no, I didn't have to worry, mate, because when we got married, I had nothing.
2: So I'm like, the divorce will be cheap. So <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't work out, <laughs>
0: you can't get blood from the no, stone. No, but don't don't you ask yourself the question? I mean, when you pick an agent, I mean, after all, a house is one of your biggest assets. Yeah. Right? For That's what six. we were saying before. So, so the are oh then going? Did I, mm. or should I have seen some more people? And, and, and for me, I, 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 I've been thinking about it for the last few days and I thought, no, you have to go with your gut gut feel. It is normal to second guess, but you need to go back to your, your first gut feel. Not whatever you're trying to reason yourself, but that gut feel. That gut feel tells you everything. You know. I think it's the most important
2: thing. I've come to realise more of late in my work and the listing appointments I'm going to, the, the amount of times... People go against what their gut's telling them for a piece of information or, you know, we're agents so we're always trying to set landmines for other agents and, and but some of the reasons I'm hearing about why I chose this agent or that agent or that agent, you know, really liked them, best person we spoke to but oh, they don't have as many buyers as this per. Like, they're just silly reasons that people are choosing... Their agents yeah. on and going against their gut. If you understand what I'm trying to say, I'm not articulating it, it's that. Very it's the way well. they're
1: trying to justify to themselves why they've chosen the person. Well,
2: no, they get there's, there's agents who aren't rely on gimmicky bits of information to win a listing, uh, and unfortunately, some people fall for that more often than not. Yeah, Even right. though their gut will tell them, "Oh, this is the guy for me." You know, as soon as you sit with someone, regardless of the circumstance. I was in a car yard last weekend. And as soon as I walked into a certain car room, I had to walk out. It didn't matter whether I loved the car or not; I wasn't buying a car off these people, right? And that's a that's a feel thing. And people well, will ignore that. Was it
0: the DB7 or DB9? <laughs> the Kia <key>, Carnival. <laughs> 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 oh, but,
2: <laughs> but you know, was and, and, and I think part the of carnival. it is part of it is not understanding. Even, well, even though they do understand that this is a really important decision and, and, and they've, they've spent their whole life saving for the deposit or whatever, I don't think they understand how pear-shaped this situation can go if you choose someone for the wrong reasons. If you're basing it on a price they tell you, a commission, you know, you can rattle them off. Yep. You know, this person says they've got more buyers than this person, et cetera, et cetera. You might be in a partnership with this person for three months. An agency agreement's three months, yep. right? If your gut isn't right about that person, that three months isn't going to go well, regardless. There's, a very, there's very few statistics that can overcome a bad feeling from the start. Yeah. you know, As soon as one little thing goes wrong, you go, oh, I knew it, right, because you didn't trust your gut, mm-hmm. okay, it, it sets everything up for fire. You, you go against your gut and that agent a couple of weeks down the track might suggest something to you that goes against the plan you originally said, all of a sudden because you didn't feel right in the gut – you're going to blow that out of proportion and ruin the relationship as well. I think more than almost everything you, you, you're trained to do as a salesperson, big capital sales, you know, set landmines and and uh, and talk about your buyers and talk about your marketing and talk about this and that. I think the gut feel is actually the most
0: important thing. Okay, but once Go. you have it, it's no point questioning yourself. No, you once can't. you got. That feeling about that agent and you now have signed up with that agent, don't second guess yourself. What piece oh, of
2: information can overcome that? What piece of information can overcome the fact that you felt great with this person and you uh, you had a thought that, yeah, they're
1: the ones I want representing my house? So you're saying choose your agent based on that gut feel?
0: I
2: think for,
0: I think first. I, I, I believe you start with a gut feel but then you, you have your logic to ask your question to confirm that gut feel. Right. If it... It does confirm the gut feel. That's fine. If it doesn't, well, now you're going to have to ask yourself more questions. Yep. But I believe that you know somehow, you see, human beings are creatures of connections and contact. And we have a lot of things that happen at subconscious level, maybe at even limbic brain level, where we see things, we feel things before we even des- understand things. We know who we like before we see why we like the person. But once we've done it, you're going to have to just let go. The, the, the issue is, like, you're finding that right partner for your life, that right boyfriend, and all along you're going to ask yourself a question. No, once you've decided you've picked the right partner, move on with this. Yeah. The, the, this is, there's no more time to think about this thing. What you need to be doing now is think about the future. I mean, Wayne Dyer said in one of his uh, books, a boat goes on the lake. Now, the boat creates wake At the back. Now, what do you do? Do you spend time looking at the wake behind the boat? Do you look at the direction the boat's going? And I think that that's what you need to be doing. Once you have picked the right agent, don't look at the wake that's created behind the boat. Just look forward. Mm. Build things together. You've made the decision
2: deal with it? Yeah. Deal with it sounds harsh, but just it's in the past now. Decisions made. I mean, you would have had it. We've all had it where you've gotten phone calls or bumped into people who aren't having a good experience with their agent or think they're not having a good experience yep. with their agent. And rather than lay the boot in, I generally go, well, why, you, know, you trusted them at the start. Why aren't you trusting them now? What's changed? Because that's the that's, barring something going horribly wrong. Yep. You made the decision to hire them for a reason. Yeah. So even to our own detriment sometimes, I've put the owners who have called Back in touch with that. Oh, we did pick that person because of that, and that. I mean, you sleep better at night than going, "Oh, yeah, he's a prick. Give us the business." But they forget that feeling they had when they sat in the couch and decide. Unless they've made, unless they've one hundred percent made the decision for all the wrong reasons. So, oh, he was the cheapest, or, or, or he gave me free marketing, or all that sort of stuff. Then you've, you've signed a agreement. You trusted the guy enough to sign the agreement, or oh, girl,
1: move forward. But like you just said, Kim, for the wrong reasons of, oh, he gave us the cheapest marketing or the cheapest fee or told me my house was worth $100,000 more than the other agent. A lot of owners out there will be sold by that and they will feel they've made the right decision with those facts. Now, we've spoken um, about They're that. overcoming their gut, to their gut. You think that's going to logic, logic or do you really think that their gut may be in line with saving money or for want of a better word or
2: do you reckon most people on the planet have a rough idea when someone's lying to them no well my answer is yes i think but people ignore the sense right Our, our bodies are designed whatever way and how intuitive eq call it whatever the intuition you know when something's not right but a lot of us choose to ignore that.
1: Oh, no, no, I don't think so. I think we've spoken about before about people being critical thinkers; those who take the time to think and study things. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. But I think the majority of people don't. I think the majority of people have have lost that ability for the fact of you you when someone time.
2: comes in and says your house is worth a million dollars and I'll do it for one percent, and even though that sounds great, you don't think there's a second of pause where they go, oh, "Is it? Is it really?" It- if and, if and then they ignore it and go, Oh, it sounds good anyway. And, and,
1: and again, if they've spoken to two or three other agents, when the other agents are saying to them a hundred or hundred and fifty grand less, then there should be bells rung. Mm. But if they've got no other sort of sounding board other than what that agent's telling them, they're the professional. You've been to a doctor, the doctor's told but you. But they'll, to
2: they'll ignore their gut for, for that reason. They'll go, Oh, this person's a professional. He must be right, even though their gut's going, something's not right here. Something's not right here. Something's not right here. But they must be telling us, yeah, possibly, And I don't, I don't want to. I'm going to make a very, very broad statement. But how often do we see the elderly taken advantage of by
1: that? Yeah.
2: All right. How many times have we gone out or been involved in a situation where someone else has told them hundreds of thousands too much, or, or worse, hundreds of thousands too little, just to get a quick sale or take advantage because Back in the day, from what I can gather, people used to take people on their word yep. a lot more than they do today. Yep. Us, as a, us as a generation are much more cynical. You know, everyone I've ever worked for that, that is probably 70 years plus is extremely trusting, extremely trusting to a fault.
1: Should they be interviewing two or three agents to make a, a, an educated decision rather than trusting that one prognosis on their property?
2: I think trusting your gut comes back to if, if, you bad, have lost, if you I get a bad, it, if, man, if you, you get don't a bad, if you get a bad feeling, and bad is a horrible word, but if you get an inkling something's not right, talk to somebody else. Don't go, oh, he's a professional. That feeling that I'm having but must. I, be I don't think written. a lot of people
1: are getting that feeling. Came some will. I don't think some are. I go back to, I, I, and maybe I'm
2: different, but and I know, you know, a lot of people around me, and you guys included, you know when someone's bullshitting to you. And whether you choose to, you've then got a decision on whether you choose to ignore it or not. Right? Yes, something doesn't feel right, but
1: I'll ignore it. And it always comes back to being yep. what you
2: thought, doesn't it? So maybe if it's just us three in the room. But
1: I think there's people out there that don't have that BS sort of radar and they'll take people at their word.
2: Yeah, where, we're, where we're disagreeing but agreeing is I think everyone's got the BS radar and some people choose to ignore it. Because they're hearing what they wanted to hear, and, uh, yeah, yeah? yeah. And I, I don't think because I think we're all evolved the same. We're all human beings, so Absolutely. I think we've all got that radar yeah. to some extent. Some, sums might be slightly updated technology to others, or however you right. want to put whatever it into it a be. metaphor. Yeah. But I think we all have a sense.
1: So moving forward, they've, they've picked their agent, and they you know for better for worse, whatever it may be. What, what are the next sort of you know red flags for them, or what are the things they're worried about? Uh, um, is it worried about? Know, how the house presented is it worried about? No, I think, that,
0: I, I, I think that one of the questions they're going to have is Should I tell my agent everything? Yes, and, and also, that. I want to take the first offer. Yeah, mm. I, I think that those are things that many sellers are going to go through, right? So, first of all, should I tell my agent everything
2: if you want the best possible result? If you actually trust them, yeah. if you had that bad feeling when I, you signed up with them.
0: Don't. I guess the the, the the thing is that should you be asking that question, you're not really trustful of your agent. Yeah, exactly. Correct?
2: So, And that means you had that feeling at the start and that means you ignored that feeling to sign the document, which is what I was saying. I just sold a property recently where we didn't find out until contracts were signed that it was a divorce. Neither, well, the, neither of the parties the told us. To say, yep. Now, obviously, we'd already put jigsaw pieces together because of the way things were set up and sure. the way things were happening, it was clear that there was something going on. Sure. But clearly they trusted us enough to pay a much higher commission. Like we, we won that against 1.2% agents and, and people that they knew from their church and yeah, friends one of them had gone to school with. Like we, it was two two-hour listing appointments to win that. They trusted us enough to give us a business against all odds. Yep. Thought we were no chance. Um, it was surprising... Not surprising, surprising, but to withhold that piece of information. Yeah, right. I think when I dug deeper into it afterwards, I found out that they'd been done wrong by another agent, someone that they had trusted with that piece of information and were, you know, you'll sell the house as long as but no one can find out. So suddenly everyone knew about the family situation. So they'd lost their trust in agents in general, yeah, I, I guess. Trust, yeah. I mean, the message to the vendors is if you actually trust your agent, you need to tell them everything because the plan needs to match the goal. Yeah. If they're an ethical agent and they're doing their job, the fact that it's a deceased estate or it's a divorce or or whatever the situation is or you're in financial trouble doesn't automatically mean, oh, they're just going to make it a fire sale. That's right. And they
1: They, won't automatically divulge that information. They just um, need to adjust the plan. But unless
2: they have that information, they can't have the conversations with you they need to have. Right. There's no way an agent can do his job to the, or her to the best of their ability unless they have all the information. Yeah. that's a good call. You know, an offer comes in, it's a good offer but not a great offer, but your situation, the best play may be, may be to accept the offer. It may be to say no to the offer, but your agent's not going to be able to give you any advice around that if the situation doesn't make sense, if they don't have all the information. Yeah.
1: I um I was I was sharing with Thomas earlier today that I had a customer I spoke to yesterday that I had his property on the market in early 2019, and it was a unit. I right, talking about not accepting the first offer. First open home, I got him offer at four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. We were on the market at four seventy to four ninety. Got him an offer at four eighty. He knocked it back. Didn't get any offers above that. I just found out yesterday that he actually just sold for four hundred eight thousand dollars. Mm. Ah, silly. And um. I look back now and say, was it my lack of communication to say, look, often you're your first, first offer is your best offer and so forth. So as sellers, I mean, they really need to understand that, look at the offers as they come in, not as, you know, first in, best dress, but look at the offers as they come in.
2: I put that in the bucket of taking ownership a little bit too, and this isn't at you, but agents no, but in general, I go, if this isn't happening, and I have one, again, it was only a week ago, calls off tomorrow, fingers crossed, but... First offer came in. I didn't do a good enough job of delivering it. It was a good offer. It was yeah. in the top end of the price range that we were asking. And yeah. because it was in the top end of the price range and it was the first offer, it was a no and, oh, if we're getting this as their first offer, what, yeah, we're going to get more. And I did. I went back and I looked and I went, no, horrible job of delivering it. Horrible job of explaining why we can't, yeah. can't discard it. I'm an agent who will never, ever tell an owner to take an offer, ever. Never yeah. will, never have, yeah. never will
1: but I've got to explain the pros and cons of saying no. So I look back on that offer that I had, and I actually sat him down, and we went through the facts. Uh, Record price for the complex, the whole lot, and so forth. He still didn't take the offer. So I believe, I honestly believe that I did everything I can to make him understand that it was an outstanding offer at that time. It was his decision, and I actually had him in the office twice to talk about it. And then when he resold at $72,000 under the offer that I got him, I was gobsmacked. So I can sleep easy, but a lot of owners out there need to understand that if you've put your trust in your agent to sell your property, follow their advice. If you choose a doctor to treat you for a disease, follow their advice. It's simple as that.
0: I I look at picking an agent like you're picking a partner. If you pick the partner, you don't spend time questioning whether you pick the right one. If you have, if you are, it's probably the wrong one. We don't
2: try and change them as soon as you... I've picked you, but I've picked you because I reckon in a
0: year or two I'll be able yeah. to get you to do this, this, and this. No, we've all been there, right? Yeah. And and the other the other thing is, you know, if, if you have to ask, what should I take? You don't do that in a relationship with a partner. You don't even ask. I mean, uh, should I stay with her if she gives me uh, a boy and and and, and a girl, or, or vice versa? You know, if should I stay with him because he's going to give me two girls? You know, it's 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 not that. And I think that you're going to have to have that trust relationship. A lot of people pick agents that they like and then for sure afterwards they're going to have to ask themselves questions because it's not about what you like. This is the biggest asset you're about to put in someone's hands. You need to make sure it's more than because you like the person. Right? It's a good place to
2: start and then you've got to have the logic or the evidence to back it up. Not only do I like them, but they are getting the best prices in the area. They are doing X, Y, and Z. It can't be just a blind Because you hurt yourself just as much. It's not an
0: accident. No. I mean, another thing that people then ask themselves, should I tell my agents everything? It's the same thing. If you have a partner, you can't tell them everything. Don't have a partner. Same thing. If you have an agent, you can't tell them everything. Don't tell them. Because it's telling you that the element of trust is not there. But here's a question that a lot of sellers go through. They are not going to take the first offer. What do you guys reckon? We just touched on. Should, it. should we take the? Should they take the first offer? Depends on what the
1: offer is, and depends on what your goals were when you started. And again, it comes. I think it comes down to the conversations that are had prior to that offer coming in, and the agent sitting down. And I think we call it getting sold. Sitting down with the owner after they've signed the agency agreement and they've put their trust in you to have those conversations about. Listen, the best offers may come through the first week or two on the open home. Don't overlook them because they're early offers. Again, communication. Very clear. Lines the answer of to your question
2: is it depends on the situation, but you cannot have a, an outright rule. Which there is. There's, a, there's some rule that someone invented once that says you never take the first offer. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. But God, I hear it a lot. What if the first offer? What if you're asking eight hundred thousand for your house and the first offer was a million dollars because someone didn't want it to go on the market or had too much cash to burn? Do you still not take the first offer? That's why it's a silly
1: notion. Yeah. You're, you're spot on, and spot on,
2: mate. What you, you need to take into account, and your agent should help you do this, everything that's gone before that offer coming. Yep. How long's your buyer been looking for a house? The perfect one, I mean, the one we, we run into it a little bit with the pre-market slash off-market stuff, right? So house hasn't even hit the market yet, and we've managed to get a few buyers through it, and if we're lucky, a couple of people offering on it, and then... Oh, quite often we get hit with, oh, it hasn't even hit the market yet. If this is happening before it hits the market, then imagine what's going to happen. So it's the
1: greed factor, right?
2: No, it's not greed. It, it would make... So in outside of our education, right, as real estate agents, in the outside world, probably there is a logic to saying, well, if only four people have looked at it and it hasn't even been shown out to the worldwide yet, one plus one equaling two for them would say, oh, we're bound to get more, right? We know better. So it's our job to educate, that's not necessarily the case. We got offered a million dollars for a house in caring No house has ever sold for a million dollars in caring before yep. this was at the start of last year when the market was going down. Yeah. Had to sell three months later for nine seventy six because and it was a day before it went on the market and the comments, Oh well, if this is the
1: offer before we've even hit the market. Right. I think everyone's got those stories that you know early offers rejected. But then and you so look forth. at
2: what the situation is. If it's only been one buyer through the house if if your agent hasn't done a very good job of explaining you know, where the buyer came from or what's going on and it's a single offer and they've gone back and or if they haven't gone back and asked for more money, then sure. But if it's a situation where you've got six buyers through a property two days before it goes on the market, three of them have made offers, there's a very good chance that the money, the price you end up with once that negotiation is done is, almost, is as good as it's going to get because but, you've used the market to scare the buyers – the buyers are in your database for a reason. They've yep, been yep. looking for a house and probably missed out on them. Yeah. And as real estate agents and as owners, the best we can hope for is an open home where three buyers are fighting over your property. So then the conversation is, what more are you hoping for from an open home? We've already got three buyers fighting over your but property. But
1: then is that is that issue then a conversation that should have been had at the listing presentation or you know, after the listing presentation, pre-going on the market, saying to the owners, okay, we're going to do our pre-market open home to our select buyer group, if you get an offer that's XYZ, you need to seriously look at it and say to them, people's natural reaction will be, well, if I'm getting XY, I should be able to get this and so forth and so forth. Yeah. So again, is it coming down to us as agents, not imparting that knowledge to our it's owners? It's always coming down to us as agents, yeah.
2: if you're being fair income, yeah. There, yeah. there comes a point where, like you said before, you feel in your heart of hearts that you did everything you could to help, help that gentleman understand the offer that was in front of him, I think absolutely. we've got to be careful saying make understand, it's help understand. Yeah, yeah, we're make people do anything. Um, but that's, I mean, when we're when I'm pitching a property and, and the off-market stuff is an option, I'm always saying we use the time before on market, we use the market as our leverage. That is the, the tactic. Just like in an open home, if there's other buyers, up going on the market is our other buyers. It uh, doesn't always happen. It doesn't always work, though. I, I run into a comment, oh, a guy at my work, Used to do real estate, and he said, Now's as good a time as any to be greedy. And I'm like, Okay, well, why isn't he still in real estate? <laughs> anyway, contracts got signed, but that's you get we're dealing with external forces that we don't even know, we don't know who's in there. It's true, 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 true. Right, and for whatever reason, they'll sign a contract with you to pay you 20, 30, 40, 50,000 to sell their house but they'll still listen to Joe Blow down the road who sold a house once in 1956, who's been through it before. So a lot of the time, and again, it's back to the trust factor, and it's trying to remind people, hang on, you trusted me to sell the house.
1: Why didn't you sign up Joe Blow who sold his house in 1956? So uh, one of the things we've identified is owners thinking, you know, like as you said, that old analogy, don't take your first offer. Wherever that was created, what else would they be looking at? I think for myself, if the first open home, if it's in a market that's a bit of a bit challenging, you don't have a lot of buyers through, they put the owner straight back on the, the agent potentially. Whether you, you could have done all the same marketing and all the same uh, uh, photos and procedure you do for everything other successful sale, they put that owner straight back on the agent. Yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they do. We get a bit spoiled. Like, I've had this, con- again, I'm having lots of conversations recently, but... In the market we're in, in my areas, if a house is on the market for two weeks, it feels like an eternity because there's a lot of stuff selling before it gets to the market in 24 hours. So we've been spoiled. And we had to have this conversation a lot. You would have had it too in uh, 2018, 2019, where things were sitting on the market for months, Right. whereas from 14 to 17, they were all gone in a week. And it's a conversation, look, we've been a bit spoiled. There's a reason agency agreements are 12 weeks because that used to be the standard time to sell a house. Now, we've been spoiled in a week and now that's not the case, but two weeks is not a long time on the market. That's right. They're always looking for someone to blame, but I think that'll come back to lack of communication too. If I've ever had that issue in the past, it's come back to when we've done an analysis on it. We haven't communicated well enough with the sellers. We we give out a comprehensive report after every single open home. It's five pages long. The amount of people who don't get any feedback after open homes, etc., is extraordinary that we we come across, that we hear. So then you hear the tales of, oh, they're only getting one or two people through and we don't hear from them and blah, blah, blah. Of course you're going to end up in a poor relationship.
1: Yeah.
2: Every owner that you've sat in front of who says, oh, we're not in a rush or we're we're not going to be greedy, you guarantee they're in a rush and they're probably going (laughs) to ask for more money, (laughs) mate. So... Oh, not in a rush. I, and I we, always we laugh. our price. When they tell me, oh, look, we're not in a rush to sell, so we, we'll get our price. I go, yeah, you're going to call me in 24 hours and ask why I haven't sold it yet. I tell them. <laughs> oh, I tell them what they're going to do to try and stop that phone call because – or when they ring me and go, why haven't you sold it yet? I go, told you. <laughs> yeah. It's all built on a lack of trust, the whole thing. I think as an industry we've got to take a lot of blame for that it sells. There's too many – there's a reason there's so many horror stories – there's a reason people don't trust us wholly and solely, and that's because there's been a lot of...
1: You know, I'll, I'll take us back to the beginning of this year. We had a sales competition, and came up. I, I picked this up from you, actually. There was um, just even during role-playing. Yes, I'm giving you credit for this, mate. So you, you actually said, you, you paused and you said, if you feel that there's a break in the connection with your vendor, stop and say, I feel there's a break in the connection with you. What have I done to... Mm. To instigate that, yeah. and how can we rectify that, and how can we move forward? And yeah. please let me know what I've done wrong to to make things better. Um, and I thought that was wonderful because it's 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 gloves off conversations to build those lines of communication. Right?
2: It's almost, in a way, it's gloves off by putting the gloves back on. What I wanted from those guys, and I the, not the poor guys because I think they'll be better for they it. Did they did
1: very very well. That drew me.
2: They were the best in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and I wish they'd been scored better. But where the one thing I felt like they were getting wrong is they didn't stop for one second and just ask me how I was doing. They what they wanted to fight, and I was being I was being
1: aggressive. Yeah. So you're being canned, but that's cool. That's that's where you were.
2: no. But even I was being a Absolutely. direct seller. It's great. Um. And and the thing about it was was the relationship was deteriorating, and there was no stopping. Going, hang on a minute. What where have I gone
1: wrong here? That, but that's the fact. That's what I'm saying. That the yeah. beautiful, just that little bit of knowledge that you gave them and said, guys, just stop. And and ask the the vendor, what's going on? I feel like I've maybe I've overstepped my bounds here. How can I rebuild this connection? Did I do something wrong? I don't think a lot of agents have the control of their ego to do that. Not, real,
2: say, not real salespeople, mate. They're the salespeople in the air quotes,
1: right? And 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 they won't stop and really say, okay, I've done something wrong. I think one of the first signs of growth, um, I read this somewhere recently, was. Instead of going from, you did wrong, I did wrong, how can I learn? And I think part of that is an agent working with your vendor. It's never their fault. It's always your fault. You're the professional. You're the one that needs to step up and change the situation which you're in.
2: I feel like we're getting, we're getting a little bit off topic, but I feel like the best agents, or the best salespeople are the people who provide the best solutions for people. And if you're not in there initially to even provide any solution, let alone the best solution, then you're just another salesperson in there. quotes. You're just trying to get business rather than actually help people. Yeah. And that's going to come back to bite you, you know, somewhere down the track. I mean, I read a quote yesterday in an article from a, it was another agent, a Sydney agent who said, any idiot can sell a house at market value. So just going with someone because they've sold 200 houses is silly. Because we know that once you get over sort of 8, nine, ten listings and you're on your own, it's very hard to manage and give yep. them the service that they deserve. Yep. Right? So the people who are just running off, oh, I've sold 5,000 houses in four minutes, yeah, were you there to help the people or were you there to say you sold 5,000
1: houses? Were, you, were you turning a dollar or were you helping people move? You know, yeah.
2: Simple thing, is I had a guy who was struggling a little bit with people giving him a hard time when he was door knocking. He was getting a bit upset that some people were rude to him. And I said, well, it's not about you. You know, what if that person's had a bad day? What if that person's just copped some bad news? What if that person's kids are driving them up the wall? Are we there to help them? I said, did you ask any of them if they're okay? He said, what do you mean? I said, someone's abrupt with you and angry with you and seems pissed off. Have you stopped and asked any of them?
1: There's other issues there. Are you okay? Yeah.
2: I said, you'll shock the hell out of them and some of them still may tell you to piss off. Yep. But are you asking? Are we human beings here? Are we, are we trying to help or are we just trying to get business? Very yeah, good point. Our job is to solve people's problems, not get into fights with them, right? And not to make it about ourselves. I hate the fact that we're rewarded for number of sales in our industry, right? And that's not because I don't sell a lot of houses. I sell a lot of houses.
1: Yeah.
2: I want metrics to be measured on customer satisfaction and, and above market value pricing and, and all those things that have nothing to do with how many houses you've sold. Back to the sellers, trying to get back on topic a little bit, if, if a seller's choosing their agent on that they're going to end up almost guaranteed with more money in their pocket at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, but let's go back to the basics now of our question. Sellers will go through a series of thoughts. Whether we like it or not, they are going to think great about us or bad about us. There will be, what we want to say is there will be a time when things are not going the way they want. And a lot of people, because things are not going the way they want, they now... Opt for the negatives, and I think that's where we need to be very careful. And I always want to bring people back to relationship. Once you have picked the agent, you're in relationship to move your home to sell your home. The same way as when you're in a relationship with a partner, do you let them go because they didn't sell your home, they didn't get your, they didn't give you a, a child early enough? Would you just second-guess them because now that you're in a relationship, you want to be in control and say to to yourself, well, I'm the person who's going to accept the offer. If it's not the right offer, I'm not going to take it. I mean, uh, should you be that way? Or should there be a relationship where you have full trust? And I I think that sellers really ought to trust the person fully, test it before they pick the person. But once you have it,
1: don't question. Yeah, no second-guessing. Absolutely, man. I agree. Well, I think we
2: keep coming back to the same thing, mate. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no matter how many different uh, angles we take at this, it all comes back to do you actually trust the person or yeah. not? And that's why I said at the start, that's I actually I mean, believe that's way more important than anything than anything that we do as listing agents, going out there to list a property and, and as vendors sitting with their agent. I don't care about all the bells and whistles. We all use real go. Yes, there's differences in marketing, right? And there's going to be technicalities that everyone can pick me up on with my philosophy here, but... End of the day, if you're not there to help the person, you don't build that connection with the person. You're not their agent. Yep. You shouldn't be their agent because you d- you're not going to do the best by them. And and the sellers need to understand that too. The only reason any of those problems come up post signing an agreement is because the trust was never there to begin with, barring an asterisk and some someone's faked it till they make it and they do something wrong during the transaction. Barring that you didn't trust them enough to begin with. If you're asking why only one person came to your first open home or why your first offer was 700000 instead of 900000 like if you're going to blame the agent for everything, you didn't trust them to begin with.
0: Yeah. Yes, but the, the, the problem is they put all the questions in the same basket. It is normal to go through things like, should I tell my agents everything? It's normal to ask yourself questions like, I won't take the first offer. Or I don't care about which agent I'm going to go with because at the end, I'm the one to say yes or no. Or things like, I don't know who to really believe, my agents or the other agents that keep calling me and telling me great stuff about the market. Or I'm not sure about the agent because nothing is happening. These are things that will go through your head. Just clarify with your agents. You're gonna have to really go back down to that same principle. Once you have picked a partner, be it part in life or part in business, go and ask question. Don't get onto presumptions or assumptions because that leads nowhere. Mm. And, and I think that that's the relationship that people have to go through when it comes to their own sellers going through. Absolutely, their own thoughts. Yes, hundred yep. percent. Thank you, boys. Thanks, go mate. See you soon. Let's Wake up, soon.